We affirm that salvation is granted by God's grace alone, received through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Every believer is united to Christ, justified before God and adopted into his family. Thus, in God's eyes, there is no difference in spiritual value or worth among those who are in Christ. Further, all who are united to Christ are also united to one another, regardless of age, ethnicity, or sex. All believers are being conformed to the image of Christ. By God's regenerating and sanctifying grace, all believers will be brought to a final, glorified, sinless state of perfection in the day of Jesus Christ. That's the affirmation for part seven of the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel, the Salvation section. We'll hear the denial in just a second. This is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. You can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, you can find us at WFMD.com as well. Go to the Faith Debate page. And on the panel again this week from last week, Imran Razvi, known as Raz, and Daniel Razvi, known as Daniel. And they have a ministry, Conquered by Love Ministries, online at conqueredbylove.org. And uh, Higher Ground Financial, you can find them there too, highergroundfinancial.com, I assume. Okay. All right. So, uh, by the way, is your mic acting up again now? We tested this between shows and it was yeah. fine. Move around a little bit. There's a short. There's got to be a short. All right. See if that does anything. Oh, he took it completely out. Now he's putting it back in. All right. How's oh, this? he fixed it. All right. Daniel's a manly let's man. Let's not touch it. Yeah, let's no. not touch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we deny that salvation can be received in any other way. We also deny that salvation renders any Christian free from all remaining sin or immune from even grievous sin in this life. We further deny that ethnicity excludes anyone from understanding the gospel, nor does anyone's ethnic or cultural heritage mitigate or remove the duty to repent and believe. So one of the problems with the CRT, the critical race theory stuff, the, uh, the, the woke mob, right, the social justice warriors, is they screw this one up. They don't properly apply, and maybe it's because they don't all properly understand, what salvation means, what it brings. Our union with Christ means we're in union with one another. But by definition, I'm white and can't be in union with you because you're brown. Right. It blows up right. what, a huge aspect of what salvation means and what it brings. Christ is our, is our federal head and we're in union with him. So there's no, there's no more Jew or Greek. There's no male, female. There's no more distinction like that. God's not a respecter of persons, and yet they insist on making the whole issue about being a respecter of persons. Like, they've lost the game at that point. It's no longer Christianity. Right. And people wouldn't sign this because, well, I don't really disagree with what it says, but the implications could be... Implications? It's the, sal it's the salvation story. But what? it's not inclusive enough. What's... Well... <laughs> Inside of Christ, what's more inclusive than the gospel? Exactly. Outside of Christ, what's more exclusive than the gospel? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what the current culture is to separate, not to unify. And inside of Christ, everything is unified. And there is no differentiation between uh, age, race, ethnic background, language. None of that matters. Whereas in the current culture, everything matters uh, that uh, can separate. Identity is, is very important to Americans because it's... Uh, the way that you are, the way that you appear, and the way that you believe yourself to be is paramount, not uh, you know, that you're part of something that God designed for you. 
And, and so when your focus is on yourself rather than God, then that's when these problems start to happen. I want to talk about the last sentence here. Nor does anyone's ethnic or cultural heritage mitigate or remove the duty to repent and believe. So there's a lot of people that are saying, look, you know, you're already kind of partially, partially there just by virtue of how you were born or how you were raised. You're already in a good spot. You know, maybe there's not much for you to do. And I think this kind of comes back to the, the whole idea that we've, uh, in this culture, we've redefined racism to be only from, from the perspective of somebody who historically has been in a, an oppressive group, right? So the idea that a black person is not capable of being racist, or uh, which, is, which is kind of the opposite of what it used to be, just prejudice of any kind, right? And so the, the whole idea that because you're in a certain status or you are from a certain background, therefore you don't have to do the same things or repent in the same way as someone else before God, I think that's, that's the dangerous idea. Yeah, there's somebody who has darker skin can't be guilty of the sin of partiality. That's what they're saying. Right. They, they, they get, get out of free jail, you know, get out of jail free card because, you know, you have a lot of melanin in your skin. So you, you can't commit the sin of partiality. And you can't be held responsible for your actions. Right. Yeah. And if that isn't diminishing, right? Right. I mean, that's like, that's backhanded. How... I'm, I, it's easy for me to say I don't have a lot of melon in my skin. But if I did, I'd be offended. At least I'd hope I'd be offended. I'm offended for them. <laughs> right? Like They're saying you, you can't help it that you're a jerk. Why? Because you have dark skin? The way the world labels things, that's pretty racist. Yep. Right? right? There's only one human race, by the way. That's right. And, and so, so for those of you listening, if you agree with us that there's only one human race, then uh, what you should do, this is what I do on all the forms that I fill out, any application form, any uh, internet form, any paper form, they have a box to put your race in, and I will write my own box, and I'll put human. And if there is no spot because it's an online form, then I check all of the boxes. What are you going to do I, when transhumanism is more of a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. But when it's more of a thing, there are yeah. people who identify as cats and mm -hmm. right. tigers and bears or whatever, and they put on these stupid costumes, and it's 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 insane. It's like it's a mental illness. It's yeah. I will say it's one of two things, and maybe it's both of those two things in combination. But it's at least one of these two things: it's mental illness, or it's demonic. Right? They're either there's mm -hmm. something wrong with their brain, or there's something wrong in their soul and their spirit and their being that there's there's something wrong there. Right. You think you think you're a cat? Like, no. <laughs> What's going on? Yep. All right. Number eight, the church. We affirm that the primary role of the church is to worship God through the preaching of his word, teaching sound doctrine, observing baptism and the Lord's Supper, refuting those who contradict, uh, equipping the saints. It feels like it's just a contradict something. Yes. <laughs> it's like there are words missing there. To contradict what? Anyway, equipping the saints and evangelizing the lost. We affirm that when the primacy of the gospel is maintained, that this often has a positive effect on the culture in which various societal ills are mollified. We affirm that under the lordship of Christ, we are to obey the governing authorities established by God and pray for civil leaders. As a mouthful. The denial says what? We deny that political or social activism should be viewed as integral components of the gospel or primary to the mission of the church. Though believers can and should utilize all lawful means that God has providentially established to have a, some effect on the laws of a society, we deny that these activities are either evidence of saving faith or constitute a central part 
of the church's mission given to her by Jesus Christ, her head. We deny that laws or regulations possess any inherent power to change sinful hearts. That's the you cannot legislate morality um, that people often say. That doesn't again that the purpose of that phrase doesn't mean that you shouldn't have laws about morality. It means right. it's not going to make somebody moral just because you have a law. Yeah, they're saying that you can't change a sinful heart. Only God can do that. But yeah, we can have uh, we can have laws that can help control somebody's behaviors, or or punish those who don't uh, subscribe to the behaviors that they should. And, th- and it's important in mean, political activism. Uh, you may be very into political activism, but it should be always secondary or tertiary. It should never be as a forefront in your mind as praying and and worshiping God, reading the Bible, uh, fellowshipping with the saints. That should be the primary. And, and the way they're dis- defining the words here, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that they're probably talking about the church institutionally as, op- uh, as opposed to the church as locally. the body of believers kind of thing. I mean, there's because we use that sometimes church means the building. Sometimes it means the institution. Sometimes it means all Christians are the church. There's different ways. Of th- and I think in this case, they're probably talking about the in- institutional role so that those who are leading churches mm-hmm. should be mostly focused on leading the people to worship God, to preach God's word, to teach sound doctrine, all those sorts of things, and to not get uh, stuck on social activism. And it's not just on the left. You see this on the left with um, the, the, the so-called liberal Christian churches mm-hmm. uh, who are very uh, involved in activism and marches and, and that sort of thing. We saw it with the, the BLM, Black Lives Matter, uh, marches, a lot of churches and, and uh, organized and got involved and in that. even not from the left. I mean, you see the churches marching in the March for Life. And right. They come as a church group or whatever. And that and that's fine. So for me, the distinct, because I was about to say, you pick, kind of picked up the thread a little bit. On the right also, there's um, a lot of people think that the church, the institution, not believers, body believers, the institution should do something about abortion. Well, we should teach against it, uh, preach against it, uh, instruct our people to understand what it's all about and motivate them as Christians to do something. But the institution, that's not the role for the institution. It can be the role for the individual Christians. And if they want to... Or the role for the civil government right. to punish murder. And if the Christians want to come together and if they want to go on the March for Life as a group of Christians right, uh, representing their church even, that's fine, I, I would argue. But for the church leadership to be the ones who organize it, pull it all together, and distract from the things they should be doing in order to pull that off and become basically community organizers at that point, we're off mission. Um, the mission is to preach the gospel and to disciple believers. That's the mission of the church. I, I think you can boil it down for, uh, smaller than what this paragraph says. I mean, all these things are, yeah, the church should be doing these things, but that was a, quite a long list. Yeah. Basically, preach the gospel and disciple believers. That's the, that and, and fellowship with each other, you know, uh, build each other up and edify one another. Now, as far as words, that was one of the larger ones, but it's not the biggest one. All right. So, any, <laughs> anyway. so number nine is heresy. heresy. Ooh, in stereo. <laughs> we affirm that heresy is the denial or uh, of or departure from a doctrine that is essential to the Christian faith. We Further affirm that heresy often involves the replacement of key essential truths with variant concepts or the elevation of non-essentials to the status of essentials. To embrace heresy is to depart from the faith once delivered to the saints and thus to be on a path toward spiritual 
deconstruction. I'm going to let you finish the... Destruction. Oh, I'm sorry. I said deconstruction tonight. Destruction. Uh, I'm going to pause there and let you finish the, uh, the, the affirmation because the denial is really short. So you can do... We affirm that the accusation of heresy should be reserved for those departures from Christian truth that destroy the weight-bearing doctrines of the redemptive core of Scripture. The redemptive core of Scripture. We affirm that accusations of heresy should be accompanied with clear evidence of such destructive beliefs. We deny that the charge of heresy can be legitimately brought against every failure to achieve perfect conformity to all that is implied in in sincere faith in the gospel. Um, So, yes, I mean, heresy is a a weighty word. You don't want to use it lightly. Um, But it says the core of Scripture, the redemptive core, the doctrine, the, 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 the doctrine of the gospel, right, how you get saved. That's what heresy. Basically, heresy is something that, if you say it and you call yourself a Christian, then you're clearly not a Christian if you believe what you're saying. So that you're not going to go to heaven. So something heretical is something that prevents you from going to heaven by by holding that belief, right? It's a salvation issue. Yeah, I would say somebody could say something wrong and then be corrected, mm-hmm. and say, no, "You don't want to say that. That's heresy. What do you mean? You teach?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah, okay." I, you know, but right. if they continue to advocate, and I think they're setting the stage here for them to have the broader discussion coming out of the statement, because they're going to turn around when this statement's published and released and say that all the critical race theory, black liberation theology stuff is heresy, because it's the gospel's at stake. It's about redemptive, um, how do they say it here? Redemptive uh, core of scripture. It's, it's striking right at that. It's, it's cutting the legs out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they want, I think they're, they're saying, when we call you guys heretics, this is why. I think that's what they're, what they're doing with this part. Because I would agree. I mean, I, I mean so, so to give, let's give an example of one or the other, right? So it would be heresy to say that uh, Jesus is not God, right? Jesus is not deity, um, or that he did not die for our sins. It would not be heresy to say that men should have long hair or short hair or that, uh, you know, you should, you should be following, uh, you know, make, make sure that this part, this passage of Exodus or this passage of Exodus is a little more or less important and, uh, you know, or various different things, um, or, w- or whether that, uh, um, I, I don't know, but th- there's plenty of doctrines in, in scripture that are not striking at the core of how do you get saved and how do you have a relationship with, with Christ? Um, and you can only have the fullness of blessing from God and, and therefore have your best life now when a bunch of people with a lot of money give it to you. <laughs> yes. But that's kind of what's going on with this thing, right? Yeah, mainline gospel has changed. <clears throat> it's uh, not really talking about the, the basics of, of what it means to be saved, basics of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. It's uh, very, very inclusive of a lot of sinful behavior. Yeah. All right. Let's do number 10. Sexuality and marriage. We affirm that God created mankind, male and female, and that this divinely determined distinction is good, proper, and to be celebrated. Maleness and femaleness are biologically determined at conception and are not subject to change. The curse of sin results in sinful, disordered affections that manifest in some people as same-sex attraction. Salvation grants sanctifying power to renounce such disorder honorable affections as sinful and to mortify them by the spirit. We further affirm that God's design for marriage is that one woman and one man live in a one flesh covenantal sexual relationship until separated by death. 
Those who lack the desire or opportunity for marriage are called to serve God in singleness and chastity. This is a noble calling, is as noble a calling as marriage. We deny that human sexuality is a socially constructed concept. We also deny that one's sex can be fluid. Uh, maybe they, they should have said gender as well in, uh, if this statement is already a few years out of date now. <laughs> we reject gay Christian as a legitimate biblical category. We further deny that any kind of partnership or union can properly be called marriage other than one man and one woman in love, lifelong covenant together. We further deny that people should be identified as sexual minorities, which serves as a cultural classification rather than one that honors the image-bearing character of human sexuality as created by God. So male and female uh, biologically determined at conception and are not subject to change. Um, there, this is where you'll get some, one of the more uh, intelligent people on the left to say, well, what about intersex? What about those people that are born deformed that you can't tell which one it is? Okay, so I think, I think one of the a great answer for that is similar to the answer when people ask, well, what about exceptions for abortion? Okay, well, let's, let's discuss that. Oh, you first willing to agree with, me, agree with me that in all other instances, they are unchangeable? Oh, well, no, I'm not going to agree with that. Well, then we don't need to have that conversation. Yes, people are born, born uh, deformed, and, and God, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but in the vast, vast majority, and, and for those of you listening, uh, and it's because it's been making the rounds a lot lately, uh, there's, there's this statistic that 1.7% of all people are intersex. No, that doesn't. That's not true. It's it's more like zero point zero one seven. But they're they're including things like oh you had a testicle removed or you were born with one less ovary. Oh, therefore you're intersex. No, it's pretty clear who you are, right? So I think it's a lot more limited than people think. But it does exist, just like people are born without one arm or something. Um, and God does love those people as, as, in as much as they have the opportunity to be saved and be, be in uh, um, a union with God. But I think that's, that's missing the point of what the master's push in this culture is to make everything fluid. Yeah, and those, uh, those exceptions are, are examples of uh, we live in a fallen world. It's broken, and that's why we have disease and illness. And, and it's interesting, the word you used, right? Deformity. It's not properly formed, it's deformed, mm -hmm. because it's not as it should be. So, what, 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 And that does not mean that as a soul, that soul is worth less than someone else in God's eyes. Oh, no, clearly not. You know, my, I, you know, I have an adult disabled son who's got lots of problems. <laughs> uh, there's some genetic issues going on there, evidence of the fall. But uh, he is an image bearer, the same as anyone else, uh, who's... Uh, uh, you know, a human being. And um, despite of his disabilities and despite the, the challenge he faces because of the brokenness that he has, doesn't make him any less. In fact, there's in some ways in which he, he demonstrates things that are more beautiful and wonderful about the human condition um, because of the personality that maybe goes along with some of those uh, differences for him. So yeah, absolutely not. But I think that the, this statement is focusing on the sexuality and the, and the marriage thing because of the intersectionality, right? And uh, the, that's a big word, I guess. Uh, most people might know what that means now if the last five years. But basically, the more um, uh, reasons to be oppressed you have, <laughs> the more intersections you have. So if, if uh, someone is a a woman, a woman's more oppressed than a man, so she's, and, and a gay person is more oppressed than a straight person, uh, right? And, uh, and a, a, a black person is more oppressed than a white person. So if you are a, 
a a black woman lesbian, you got three intersections, you're highly oppressed. Now, on top of that, if you happen to have some sort of a physical disability <laughs> or gender confusion, right? You, right. you think you're like, uh, I don't even know what the different ones are. Pick number 57 on the list of 60 some odd genders. If you're number 57, you have all these intersections. So I think they're starting to get at that. Like, you know, it's not about that. It's about one man, one woman. <laughs> if you can define those. Yeah, what, what is a woman? Well, well apparently you don't have to be able to define that to be on the Supreme Court. Yes. <laughs> How sad. <clears throat> yes. And, and it does say we deny that any kind of partnership or union can be properly called marriage other than one man, one, man, one woman in lifelong covenant together. Uh, and that's the pushing back against people say, well, gay marriage. Well, you shouldn't use that phrase because it is not marriage. It's right. it's a it's a two people living together, but it's not marriage. Now, absconded I, with the term. I think, I think, while I agree that God's it says earlier God's design for marriage is one man, one woman, for life, right? Which is Adam and Eve. That's the and Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. There's other things that happened, but for the from the beginning it was not so. But I think there is a fundamental difference in category between. Let's say somebody was a uh, uh, polygamist. There have been men in scripture that were polygamists, and that's a very different type of relationship uh, than a gay relationship. Um, and you, you may, uh, it, I don't know, say you, can, you can't even call it marriage. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you can call it David was married to those uh, f uh, various queens he had in the Bible. I think that's more of a marriage than two men would be. Um, so there may be a little bit variations of that. But the, the point is God's design is one man, one woman. Um, and most importantly, definitely not two men or two women or, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Anything else to, to add on that one? All right. Number 11, complementarianism. This first paragraph is a doozy. So I'll... Uh, Break this down into sections or something. Sure. We affirm that God created mankind, both male and female, with inherent biological and personal distinctions between them, and that these created differences are good, proper, and beautiful. Though there is no difference between men and women before God's law, or as recipients of his saving grace, we affirm that God has designed men and women with distinct traits and to fulfill distinct roles. These differences are most clearly defined in marriage and the church, but are not irrelevant in other spheres of life. In marriage, the husband is to lead, love, and safeguard his wife, and the wife is to respect and be submissive, submissive to her husband in all things lawful. Do you want to pick up there? In the church... Qualified men alone are to lead as pastors or elders or bishops and preach to and teach the whole congregation. We further affirm that the image of God is expressed most fully and beautifully in human society when men and women walk in obedience to their God-ordained roles and serve according to their God-given gifts. We deny that the God-ordained differences in men's and women's roles disparage the inherent spiritual worth or value of one over the other, nor do those differences in any way inhibit either men or women from flourishing for the glory of God. That many people would call this last clause to be contradictory to the last clause in the previous paragraph where it says, um, you know, men and women should be walking in obedience to, uh, and serve according to their God-given gifts. And many women say, but I was given the gift of being a pastor. And then they're saying, uh, you're inhibiting me from forcing for the glory of God. So we're, this pastor is saying, no, any truly God-given gift is going to fall within those uh, roles that, that you will not be inhibited in being able to force. And maybe you are, you do have the gift of teaching as a woman, then you're should be teaching other women in the church. There's plenty of uh, explanation in scripture about how that 
works. This is probably one of the most uh, inflammatory. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more to be said, and we're going to. I think we'll pick up next week's show on this, even though we've just now read it. We're just beginning to talk about it, and this is, like you said, one of the more inflammatory ones. So, we'll cover that next week. We'll get into uh, number twelve, which is which is race and ethnicity, and uh, we probably will finish thirteen culture, fourteen racism. Um, I don't like that they used the word racism in the in the statement at all, but I, I guess I understand why they had to do that. Anyway, this is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. We're working our way through the statement on social justice and the gospel that came out back in 2018, which feels like a lifetime ago. Daniel rasby has been uh, uh, doing a lot of the reading. I appreciate that. Maybe we can get Imran to read a little bit next time. Who knows? Imran Razvi on the show, too. I'm Troy Skinner. Um, find us online at WFMD.com or HouseholdOfFaithInChrist.com. We'll be back next week, the same time, or pretty much the same time, I guess to be more exact, 167 and a half hours from right about now. Till then, God bless.